Father, we ask that you be with us as we consider the concepts again today on uh, justification by faith and, and uh, liberty of conscience. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty. Uh, <clears throat> the um, continuing the concepts and dealing with the cosmic controversy in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 the Paul was writing he said we've been made a spectacle and the word spectacle is theater uh, in the orig uh, original language and the world is cosmos so it's universal the whole the whole universe is involved in this thing and both to angels and to men the unfallen angels are particularly interested in this because uh, these are the ones that did not follow Lucifer when he when he uh, went down and but some of them were wavering but they can see now that they they came down on the right side uh, being with Christ they saw that the was crossed yes this would have been one it would have been crystal clear they I, you know I've often ha had a question in my mind why couldn't they have seen the devil's uh, working in the Old Testament they must have seen some of it but somehow he was able to cover it up so that God got blamed for most of what, <laughs> what went on back there. Still does. Still does, that's right, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, the, cro the cross was what really settled everything for the universe, I believe. Everything except mankind. We haven't come to full, full decision yet. But <clears throat> we're going to take a review of what we did yesterday. It was a revelation of Jesus, which God gave to him. We looked at grace, his cross, his faith, his righteousness, Justification and liberty of conscience, as uh, as well as prophecy. We looked at this chart that I put together on the the, the book begins and ends with uh, with grace. Chapter one, verse three says grace to you, and the last chapter, the last verse, I believe, it says uh, use the term grace again. So the whole book is dealing with grace. Everything that's in between is uh, is uh, encompassed by by grace. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and so we have the three angels in the center of the uh, book uh, for, for this. And uh, we considered also uh, these in Revelation 16, 13, these three entities that have fog, frogs coming out of their mouths. And this is, this is it's, uh, spiritualism is coming out of, the, out of the dragon and the uh, amalgamated beast and then the false prophets or the that second beast of Revelation 13 and it says uh, keep your garden gar uh, garments the devil is trying to disrobe us especially with the righteousness of Jesus Christ we consider what Martin Martin Luther had to say on justification and liberty of conscience uh, he taught that liberty of conscience is the most important part of faith he said let there be no compulsion I've been laboring for liberty of conscience. Liberty is the very essence of faith. Ella White quoted him four times uh, through Daubigny and uh, Signs of the Times, October 25, 1883, Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 4, uh, 1884, and page 148, the Great Controversy, 1888, edition 189, and also the um, 1911 one. There's a little different wording in a chapter or in the last one but the essence is still there of uh, justification by faith and liberty of conscience. Uh, we considered that justification by faith and its fruit, which is liberty of conscience, 
is the very heart or the core of the third angel's message, Revelation 14. And we also notice that spiritualism has covered up the work of Christ, and, and this is what's happening with the entire world, uh, re religious world as well as the pagan world. And this is from their own statements. Spiritualism will sweep the world and make it a better place to live. When it rules over all the world, it will banish the blood of Christ. And that's from their teachings and phenomena of spiritualism, page 72. And then we also considered uh, justification by faith, the faith of Jesus in Galatians 2.16. And uh, we saw the, that we're justified by the faith of Christ. We have faith in him so that we might be justified by his faith that he exercised uh, 2,000 years ago, especially when he died on the cross. Then we considered John, who, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, where he said he was on, in the Isle of uh, Patmos, or it was the penitentiary, and before he went there, the emperor tried him and, and condemned him to death, and he was going to do it in boiling oil, <laughs> but he wouldn't, he wouldn't burn. <laughs> and so so he, uh, they took him out and sent him to the, the penitentiary, and it was there that he wrote the book of Revelation. And, uh, and we assume that he came back. Uh, he would have been sent there to die because he was an old man, but uh, he evidently went back to Asia Minor and still pastored the churches there uh, after he got out of there. Then in chapter 12, and we'll get into the topic for today, the, the cosmic controversy, uh, <clears throat> it takes place primarily here on the earth. It's taking place right now. Chapter 12 of uh, Revelation is dealing with that, the whole chapter. And uh, But we have... We have the assurance that Christ has already conquered the enemy, and he will do so in our lives as we, as we turn to him. Um, the book of Revelation is about the forces of evil who despise and fight against Christ and his righteousness, justification by faith in him alone, and liberty of conscience. But we need to realize that the hope that we have is our faith, the faith of Christ and then our faith in him. Uh, the faith of Jesus, we talked about briefly that Revelation 14, 12 says, here are they that keep the faith of Jesus. The faith of Jesus is the, especially, we can see it especially at Calvary, where he believed not only in the absence of his feelings, but against them. And that's the kind of faith that God's people will have in the last days. Now, there's some questions that came up. We had one of the statements yesterday, yesterday uh, questions to Ellen White. She said, "They said, is the third angel's message justification by faith?" And she says, "Justification by faith is the third angel's me uh, message in verity or in truth." Now we have the foundation, of course, is the cross of Christ, and uh, the uh, this is, these pillars are the pillars of Protestantism in general. They used to believe these things. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're based. It's based on. Um, Daniel 9, you remember when Christ began his public ministry shortly after he was baptized? He said, the time is fulfilled, repent and believe the gospel. And the only time element that he could have been talking about would have been chapter 9 of, of Daniel, that gave, gave the time of his baptism, the time of his death, that 70-week prophecy. And then the uh, Protestants have held these four teachings as their pillars for years. Creation, the fall of man, the law of God, and the atonement. And the whole Christian platform was based on this, built on it. 
And, but today, what we're seeing is a change in Protestantism. They're turning away from creation uh, to uh, evolution. Some are saying there was really no fall of man, and all you have to do is develop the power that's within you. And, and there's no sense of the law of God. If you, you don't have sin, there's no, there's no need for the law. <laughs> and then it finally, it's a, it actually attacks the atonement itself. So all of these are being shunted by, the, uh, by Protestantism, and they're heading rapidly toward uh, Catholicism, which is spiritualism in essence, yes. And so <coughs> the prediction of the spiritualist is coming true. Yes, exactly, exactly, yeah. yep. Joining, joining them together. Yeah, banishing the blood of Christ. Pardon me? Yes. When it's all done, they're going to banish the blood of Christ. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, in, um, of course, uh, Adventism, we came along, built on the platform, we'll see that in a little bit, but <clears throat> the center of Adventism is the cross of Christ also, and uh, the, based on Daniel 8, 14, and uh, there are five pillars Foundation, of course, is the sanctuary and the central pillar. And then we have the second advent, the Sabbath, state of the dead, and the third angel's message, which is justification by faith. I think I may, let's see if I've got the same one. They're built on the, or the Adventist platform is built on this. And we find that within Adventism, there are some who are trying to shake the pillars, some are trying to pull it out. But if you pull the foundation out, uh, this thing is going to crumble. And that, uh, that's the design of the enemy. But he's not going to—he's not going to be successful. I'm—I'm I'm sure of that. But um, Adventism built solidly on the platform of Christianity. We're the only ones that have—that has held to the the four pillars of of, of uh, Christianity. Uh, although we've got some that are wavering on creation and that sort of thing. But but um, as a general rule, Adventism is still hanging in there on creation. And the rest of it. There's some who are saying there's no no need of a cleansing of a sanctuary, that type of thing. But but um, it's still a minority voice. There's a few, but um, God is going to bring this back with force before this thing is over with. But but we're the only ones that are really uh, carrying on with the cross of Christ central and uh, building on the Protestant platform. Um, I was, oh, you know, I wanted to let's go to. Uh, Daniel 8.14, and uh, <clears throat> notice something here that, that um, Christ is the one who actually gave the 2300-day prophecy. And um, in uh, chapter 8, beginning with about verse 13, <clears throat> um, well, if I get, get there, there are Heavenly beings are discussing these things. They, they're talking about the Antichrist was fiddling around at that time, and, uh, and um, this is a prophecy of what was going to happen. And in verse 13, it says, I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one speaking to that certain one who was speaking, how long will the vision be concerning the daily and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot. And he said to me, now the, the one who is speaking here is that certain one, in verse 13. And he said, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary will be cleansed. Now that certain one, the word, uh, the Hebrew word is palmoni. 
And it, uh, if you have the old uh, King James Version had <clears throat> in the margin, they said, or the revealer of secrets or the wonderful numberer. And it's related to the, word, the same word in uh, Isaiah 9-6 that talks about Christ as the uh, a son will be born unto you. In fact, let's, let's turn there. Because there's a word, the word wonderful is related uh, directly to this. And um, chapter 9, 6 of uh, the book of Isaiah. Where he said, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And that word wonderful is related to the word, uh, that certain one in Daniel chapter 8, verse 14. Clearly this is Christ. The 2300-day prophecy is his testimony of the year, for the year actually the year-day principle. And uh, he's the one that gave the 2300-day prophecy. So if we reject the 2300-day prophecy, we're actually rejecting the word of Christ. And uh, the word is also related to, uh, uh, you remember the, the relationship between Ruth and uh, the nearest of kin? That nearest of kin is related to that word also. And Christ, of course, is the, our nearest of kin who came to redeem us, just as Boaz redeemed, um, he, he was second place. Uh, there should have been another one. That guy said, I, I don't want it. He wanted the land, but he didn't want the woman. <laughs> and Boaz wanted the woman. He didn't care about the land, but he got the land as well as the, as, as well as the woman. And that's the same, uh, same word. It's related to the word there in, uh, in, in Daniel chapter, uh, chapter 8. So he's the one that gave us that. But now, coming back to the third angel, we've already seen that now, and we saw it before, that the third angel's message is justification by faith in Christ alone. And again, Ellen White, uh, this is what she had to say. She said, the third angel's message is the proclamation of the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. The commandments of God have been proclaimed, but the faith of Jesus has not been proclaimed by Seventh-day Adventists as of equal importance. The law and the gospel going hand in hand. I cannot find language to express this subject in its fullness. The commandments of God and the faith of Jesus are both important, immensely important, and must be given with equal force and power. And then she says this, the first part of the message has been dwelt upon mostly, but the last part, casually, the faith of Jesus is not comprehended. And she's speaking to us. Uh, that's 3SM uh, 184. Uh, so the, um, and I think it's that part that has to do with, the, with justification by faith. Uh, we talked briefly yesterday about Jones and Wagner had brought in the concept that the faith, uh, here they keep the faith of Jesus, that it is the faith of Jesus. And that was the reason that people were asking Ellen White, uh, is, the, is the third angel's message really the th uh, justification by faith? And she says, it is so in verity. Because just a minute, at that time, from 1844 on, the, um, the context, context of the faith of Jesus was that it was a body of doctrine that we had to hold to. And, uh, and they came out and said, no, it's actually Christ's faith. Yes, you have a thought. Yeah. It, I wondered about this, Jerry. 
because he says you the preacher of the law, the law until it's dry and the hell's still going. So Earlier. is it that the leadership fell under the works of the law, or did they just put the law bigger than it should be? Which one? Well, both. Yeah, because you have, uh, if you're if you're dwelling on the law only, then uh, and you have. That's what I wonder if it's only or if they they just give the emphasis to the law because they fell under. That's well, no, they well they gave they were always giving uh, uh, emphasis to the to the law, but they were not giving uh, emphasis to the faith of Jesus, okay. Okay. and uh, and whenever you do that, you, there's no power uh, to even obey the, the law. Yeah, yeah. Right. It becomes dry as a Gilboa. Now, Adventists from 18, let's say we, we organized in 1863, and there was 20 years of barrenness. Now, they were winning most of the arguments. Uh, we had men that uh, did, they didn't lose an argument, because if you take, if you take Adventist doctrine, and I'm talking about Scripture, you take Scripture and you use some good logic, uh, it's, you're hard, pit, hard put to, uh, to defeat uh, anything that we have. And we have examples of this with uh, uh, a man by the name of Moses Hull. He was the greatest uh, debater we, we've had. He, he never lost a debate. He just wiped the floor with people. And he, so he was successful, so he started going after spiritualists. And he was winning, winning the arguments with them. And Ellen White warned him. She said, don't do this, because this, you're on devil's ground, and he's going to get you. He paid no attention. He kept going. He... The devil got him, he became a spiritualist, and he went so far as to say that Christ was wrong and that the, the devil was right, Satan oh, was right. That well, that's the mystery. Of it. I preached A.K.A. Yeah. that people, that was more of a doctrine in my mind than it was a spirit in my heart. Yeah, yeah well, there's, there's a danger in argumentation. Now, yeah. there, there, come, there are times when we have to do a debate, but that should be few and far between. You know? <laughs> uh, but sometimes it does, uh, there, there's a place for it. But uh, in those days, they had uh, well, no radio television, they had newspapers, and, uh, and they put up posters on poles and buildings, and there's going to be a debate tonight between Seventh-day Adventists and the Baptists or the Church of Christ or whoever it would be, and the people just flocked to these things. You know, ah, oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> and there were conversions during that time, but there were conversions only to mental assent. Or I shouldn't say only. I'm sure there were, there were genuine conversions also. Whenever the Word of God is pre presented, uh, there's going to be some genuine conversions. But, but um, many of them were not. And that's why by 1880, she said that the preaching is as dry as the hills of Gilboa without dew nor rain. You know? <laughs> so, and then after that came uh, Jones and Wagner with the message of 1888. And there was a little, uh, little life put back into it again. But, um, <clears throat> but anyhow, the message... The, Third angel's message is justification by faith. And we need to remember that it carries the law of God on its face. It's right up front. So that's the thing we see is obedience to God's law because of justification by faith. It is, and Paul tells us in Romans 3.33, he says, Do I make void the law of God? No. Faith establishes the law, establishes it in the heart, and then it, uh, we, can, we can speak it also uh, from, uh, from the heart. And as we mentioned earlier, the faith of Jesus is not comprehended. 3SM 184. Then again, there's another question. Is the faith of Jesus understood? And uh, the answer is it's talked of, but not understood. And uh, this was the problem they had. And I think we still uh, have that today. What constitutes the faith of Jesus that belongs to the third angel's message? 
Jesus becoming our sin bearer that he might become our sin pardoning Savior. This is what it encompasses. Uh, this is the faith of Jesus. And we talked yesterday, receiving his mind, his mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, which is a self-sacrificing uh, mind uh, for other people. Uh, the word uh, Christ's faith or the faith of Jesus is mentioned 11 times in the New Testament. And uh, you have the faith of Jesus in Romans 3.22 uh, and 26, Galatians 2.16, we looked at that yesterday, 3.22 and Revelation 14.12, that's six times. Then you have the faith of Christ in Galatians 2.16 and uh, Philippians 3.9. And then again, um, Galatians 2.20, where and this is Peter rebuking, uh, Paul was rebuking Peter and he says we, um, he says, we have, I've been crucified with Christ, uh, yet I live, yet not I, but Christ lived in, lives in me, and the, the life that I live, I now live by the faith of the Son of God. So this is, again, the faith of Jesus. And then uh, in Ephesians, we have the similar one, faith of him, and even James says, talks about the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it has to do with behavior. The people were coming into the churches or their meetings, and if it was a popular either preacher or a um, politician, <laughs> uh, if you, there was a certain, this was the upper end of the table, and if someone was sitting there, they'd say, hey, you've got to move down. <laughs> and that's what James was addressing. If you have the faith of Jesus, you're not going to pull this kind of business, you know. So, but that's what, uh, that's what they were doing. So as related to justification, you have five times. And let's, let's go to Romans uh, chapter 3. It was twice there that, that um, Paul brings it in. Now, this is in the King James Version. All, uh, almost every other Bible is wrong. In fact, I, I use the, King James, the New King James most of the time, and uh, it's not accurate either because it has the faith of Jesus. I mean, it has the faith in Jesus, thank you, <laughs> rather than the faith of Jesus. Um, you noticed which? Um, in your, do, you, do you have a... I brought that out to a couple. I know, yeah, I know. Um, chapter 3, where it start, let's start with verse uh, 32, or verse 20. By the deeds of the flesh, the, uh, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. For now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God, which is through faith of Jesus Christ to all and on all uh, those who believe. So there's no difference. But so what we have here, we, have, we get the righteousness of God, not through the law. We get it through Christ alone. But because the law is a, is a law of righteousness, uh, Psalm 119, 172 says, all of your commandments are righteousness. So that's the standard. If anyone says that they have the genuine article of righteousness or justification, they will always be brought into harmony with God's law. Not as a legalistic measure, but because they love the Lord. They love God's law. And uh, so that's what Paul is dealing with here. So, uh, and then it says that it's witnessed by the law. Yes? Yes, that's, and it's, it's a wrong translation. I don't know which one you have. What do you say? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, in the in the um, 
um, when, it, when it uses in, for, uh, you were here yesterday, weren't you, in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, it says we're justified by the faith of Christ. That preposition is, means of. It's yeah. a, what they call a genitive. Uh, then it says you have, um, we are justified, uh, uh, we have believed in Jesus Christ. That word is, it's en, it means in. Yeah. And then the next one says, uh, in order that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. That of is, it's called, it's ek, which means out of the faith of Christ. So you got three, three prepositions. And uh, two of them mean they come directly from Christ. The other one is we have, we have faith in him. And we need both. We can't throw you know, uh, either one or both of them out. But most translations, in fact, most translations, even in that, uh, in Galatians 2.16, most of the newer ones all have faith in Jesus, uh, faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus. That really doesn't make any sense. I've got a statement here a little bit later uh, that Jones, Jones had to deal with this, this very thing in that verse. We'll, we'll, we'll take a look at it a little bit. Yes? I want to quote uh, Hebrews 8.10. This is coming to make for the house of Israel after this day, and will put my laws in the minds of their hearts. And we go to Ephesians 2 8. For gracious sake, through faith, is a gift of God, it's not of you. So therefore, it takes away our idea of what faith is and shows it, like yeah. Mary's saying, it's, it's a gift from God. If, yeah, and it, it is to be exercised. It's not, exercise. yeah, it's not, uh, not a passive thing. Uh, but uh, but it is a gift. It, it comes from Christ. It's it's His faith that He gives to us through the Word. So the, uh, and then Romans three in verse twenty six is another one that um, same idea. But uh, in verse 22, 22 and twenty or twenty two primarily and twenty one, where it says that we get righteousness apart from the law, but it says the law witnesses to that that righteousness. So if we have the genuine article. The law of God stands as a witness in the courts of heaven, in the judgment of heaven, that it's a genuine article. And because it's the faith, it comes from the faith of Christ, and then we believe in him, and it, it becomes a part of us. It, is that, is that uh, as a law as it is in Christ, the same kind of idea? It's the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Because you have, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Psalm 119, 172 says, all of your commandments are righteousness. And so that law demands righteousness. We cannot give it to it of our own, but if we have the righteousness of Christ, then the law says, that's right, you're right, <laughs> because it's pointing to Christ. So as Christ is formed in us, the law is formed. Yes, exactly. That's what I believe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just want to make sure yeah. Well, in the, the new, under the New Covenant, it says that God will write his law on our hearts, and it's another, another statement of Christ and the Holy Spirit working, bringing his character. So that's the way I'm going. I'm yeah. Going. Yeah, yeah. So these are these are Galatians two sixteen. We looked at yesterday in Philippians three nine. But justification is by the faith of Christ. I think. Oh, here this will come to this is uh, uh, Galatians two sixteen. We looked at yesterday, and you got three prepositions here. The first one, uh, well, we're not justified by the faith of the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. And this, is, this would be a literal translation of this. And the King James has it correct. Um, all modern ones, I've not, I don't, th even though I use the, King J the new King James uh, almost all the time, and it doesn't have it either. Isn't that good news? Yes, it is. I think it is, yes. <laughs> here, th we'll take a look at what Jones said about this. This is uh, um, very interesting here. 
talking about the faith of Jesus. He says it is impossible to have the words faith of Jesus in that verse. He's speaking about 2.16 of Galatians to be equivalent to faith in Jesus. This is forbidden by the structure of the verse itself. For to make the words faith of Jesus mean the same as faith in Jesus would force upon the writer such a meaningless repetition as that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to them that have faith in Jesus Christ. But taken as it uh, meaning just what it says, then the verse tells the splendid truth that the promise of God comes to men by the faith of Jesus, and that the promise of God which the faith of Jesus Christ brings to men is given and made sure to them that believe in Jesus Christ. So, he, he, and then he goes on here too. He says, and he quotes it, uh, and he puts in italics. It's his his italics here. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. And that faith of Christ should be italics too. Surely there is here no room for any explication or explanation. Both expressions are used in direct connection and used in a way that makes it impossible that they should be taken as meaning the same thing. And taking, taking for exact, exactly what they say, again there is told the splendid truth that it is the faith of Jesus that brings to us and gives to us the justification, the righteousness which we receive by believing in Jesus. So he kind of summarized the whole thing uh, on, uh, on that. Pardon me? Uh, medical missionary, uh, page 89, uh, March 20, 1907. So coming back to the cosmic controversy, this is in chapter 12 now of Revelation. And uh, here is... Uh, uh, starts out with the, well, it ends, I should say, with the, the dragon being wroth or angry with a woman. Who's the woman? Church. The church, yeah. And we're going to look at another time how the papacy has put Mary here as she is the woman, and also in Genesis 3.15, that she's the one that tramples the serpent on his head. But we'll look at it at another time. But here it says, that The dragon was wroth with a woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus Christ. Or the testimony, I should say, of, te of Jesus Christ. What is the testimony of Jesus Christ? Spirit of prophecy. Spirit of prophecy. That's what the, what the uh, 19th chapter of Revelation says. Um, so what we have in this chapter, we have the woman, the dragon, and the child. At the beginning and at the end, you've got the woman, the dragon, and the remnant. And in between, you have her flight for 1260 days or years, verse 6. You have the same time, woman's, the woman's flight of time, times, and half a time in verse 14. And then we have war in heaven in verses 7 and 9. And then you have war on earth in 9, uh, 12, and 13. So you've got uh, <clears throat> correspondence uh, in, this, uh, in this chapter. And then in the middle of this is the cross of Christ. And we looked at this last time where uh, God's people overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by their own testimony. And uh, so the cross is central to this. And in this, uh, the great controversy over justification and liberty of conscience raged in intensity, and it was in varying degrees, uh, for 1260 years. The uh, seven times 
this measured period of uh, 1260 years uh, is mentioned in Scripture, in Dan twice in Daniel and five times in the book of Revelation. And uh, this is, uh, I'm going to share something that uh, I don't have it here, but I, uh, I have a friend who was a, an excellent teacher. And we were talking, I made uh, some bold statements. I said, you know, I think we ought to, the Bible ought to be the textbook for every class that's taught in our schools, you know. And she's, oh, she got angry. And she said, that can't be. She didn't understand what I was saying. I didn't say that the, the Bible's a workbook because <laughs> you got to go to science and, and different, you go to different places to, to get that information. And, uh, but a textbook's deal with a principle. That there should be a principle in the scripture that, that will help us with the classroom. And uh, she brought up, she said, uh, can you show me anywhere in the Bible that you can, you can teach algebra, for, uh, for instance? And I said, no, I can't. But I said, I think the principle's there. <laughs> I had no idea. We had a Sabbath school class. This was quite many moons ago. And they had things lined up like this. <laughs> and as I looked at that, I said, you know, there may be an algebraic formula here somewhere. <laughs> and I worked, worked one out. And uh, I don't, I'm looking for today, I was going to do a class on algebra here on that. But the X is, uh, you, it, it figures out, you can go either with uh, the days or the years or the, or the months, either way, depending on what, what you're uh, gaining, gaining. But One equals the other. <clears throat> yes, yes. Well, actually, yeah, the whole thing, I think, well, and here, here are the references in Daniel and Revelation. Uh, Daniel 7, 25, time, times and a half a time. Chapter 12. And then Revelation 12, 14, that's what ties these, these books together, especially with this, this type of thing. And then the 1260 days is in Revelation 12, 6, and also 11, 3, and verse 2, and then the 42, well, 42 months in 11, 2, and chapter 13, 5. But it's talking about the same thing all the way through. And it, there's a positive aspect, God's protecting his people, and then the negative aspect of, of the enemy uh, trying to destroy God's people. And, uh, and it's a period of uh, 538 to 1798. And this is, uh, I put this in here as the time times half a time equal to the 1260 days or the 42 months. And <clears throat> during the dark ages, the word of God was hidden from the people. The gospel was almost entirely obscured. It was just it was called the, the um, dark ages. <laughs> there was no light, not, not much light penetrating. And um, the gospel was obscured. The, the law itself was given into the hands of the papacy for 1260 years. <clears throat> and uh, then uh, in, uh, Haskell had this to say, it is the, it's to the beginning of this period, the year 538, that the 31st verse of Daniel 11 brings the history. We may come back to that. I, I want to look at chapter 11 a little bit later, but um, tribulation ceased about 1776. That was the time when the Declaration of Independence was signed in America. The 1260 years of Daniel and Revelation began in 538 and ended in 1798. Then in, uh, let's, let's go to uh, Revelation chapter 11, the first three verses to begin with. And uh, in this portion of the uh, of the chapter, the first part, John is talking about uh, the measuring rod and the temple and that type of thing. In verse 1, I was given a rod like a measuring rod, 
And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it. For it is given to the Gentiles and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. And then I think we'll just stop right there. I'll look. Oh, no, let's go ahead. I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in cyclops. Now, in this, the Gentiles, and I just heard an Adventist preacher on the radio not too long ago, uh, saying that this period of time, and it's an evangelical concept, they believe that the time of the Gentiles began at the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, that we're in the time of the Gentiles until, well, some say, 1948. When, the, when Israel was reestablished or established as a nation. It uh, wasn't accepted by everyone, but, but it, was, um, th- that it was the thinking. But there's an Adventist saying that, that um, 1948 was the fulfillment of that prophecy. And that um, the time of the Gentiles are non-Jews, but the Jews came into existence as a nation in 1948. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is absolutely amazing. Because this prophecy is dealing with the, the Gentiles of the papacy. A Gentile is someone who is walking apart from Christ. Ephesians talks about this. And uh, uh, Adventists used to believe this, but, and I'm sure most do, but this was just one, but he had a lot of influence, and I'm, I'm sorry to hear that he said it. But anyhow, the holy city is the church of God. She says it's God's fortress, the city of refuge, which he holds in a revolted world. And you find also in... Uh, uh, Great controversy on page uh, 266. She deals with the same idea that the city here, the holy city, is God's people. And that the Gentiles, here's, uh, this was years ago, uh, uh, the Gentiles. During the French Revolution, George Bell, writing on the downfall of Antichrist and the treading underfoot of the holy city by the papacy, said that the Gentiles, or papists, take away the daily sacrifice and set up the abomination that maketh the visible church of Christ desolate for the space of 1260 years. This was not a Seventh-day Adventist. <laughs> so there were people that understood this prophecy. It was, well, it would have been uh, after, uh, uh, this would have been after um, 1798. That, that sent shockwaves into all Protestants, well, I'm sure Catholics too, because the papacy, the the power of the papacy was taken away at that time, or dominion. It's going to come back again. But it was, when that, when that happened, people began looking at the prophecies. This 1260-year prophecy is the one they focused on because they said, something's happened here. Can we go back 1,200 years and find something? And that's when they found the decree of, of um, I've got a blank, <laughs> 538, uh, Justinian. Justinian's decree to uh, make the Pope center of, of Rome. Of the church, and uh, and this is this caused a tremendous revival, and William Miller was on the on the cutting edge of that revival at that time. There was a big one in the 1700s by uh, Calvinists, but he was in the second wave, and it was part of this prophecy of Daniel that uh, that uh, that he was going on, and then he developed more things as he got uh, in the 1930s and 40s. But uh, then Ellen White, I got this one from. Uh, this is from four, uh, volume four of Spirit of, Pro- Spirit of Prophecy. Said the angel to the, of the Lord uh, to John, 
the holy city, and she, this is her writing, um, her brackets, the holy is the true church, shall they, and the context is the papacy. If you have that volume, take it out and read it. You know, you'll see what, what she's talking about. And they shall tread underfoot uh, the holy city for 42 months. And I will give power unto the two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred threescore days clothed in sackcloth. Um, you know, the papacy continued until 1798 when his dominion was taken away. Its power, however, was not yet destroyed. That's yet future. But uh, it's coming back now. It's, it has, it's got a tremendous amount of power now, but does not have full dominion. And it'll have that too. But who, by the way, who are these, uh, who are these two witnesses that's talking about here? What? Okay, the Old and New Testaments. I want to share what happened to me when I first heard this. <laughs> I was uh, uh, I was converted in, uh, in different circumstances, and, and uh, actually I was I was in a county jail, and a guy was thrown in on a Saturday night, and he read the Bible. He was drunk, but the next day he started zeroed in me. If I'd have gotten hold, because he wailed all night, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. And I he was in the cell next to me, and I couldn't get at him. And uh, but he zeroed in on me the next day for the next few days. He said, "Let's study the Bible." And I thought anybody that read the Bible was out of their mind. They were kooky, you know. <laughs> Something was the matter. And uh, but he kept after me. And finally, we sat down at a big bullpen and uh, where uh, we used to gamble and uh, smoke cigarettes and lie to one another <laughs> that type of thing. But when we started st studying together, everybody cleared out. We were there alone. And I remember uh, a friend of mine, ben, Benny, uh, he'd been in for six months. I was in six months before, and <laughs> he was in the second time, and he said, uh, he came in, he said, what are you guys doing? I said, Benny, come over here and listen to this guy. And we're studying the Bible. No, he's on one of He walked, walked out, wouldn't, wouldn't have anything to do with it. And he was heading for a federal rap transportation of stolen vehicles across straight state lines. So uh, anyhow, he didn't want any part of it. But this guy that... The guy that I studied with, I, want, I guess I'll share it with you. He came from Tacoma Park, uh, Tacoma, Washington. And uh, he said the Lord impressed him to leave. He didn't know where he was going to go. He didn't have much money, but he got as far as somewhere in Idaho. He ran out of money, had a flat tire, had no, no food, no gas. And he started praying. And he said the Lord impressed me to go talk to a county commissioner, which he said I did. And he fixed his car, gave him some gasoline and some money to get to the place where I was. <laughs> and he was working with uh, uh, several Maxi Mexican fellows on the, on the railroad uh, lane ties and things like this. And uh, his Mexican friend, and he went out and got drunk Saturday night. And uh, uh, this guy was so drunk he couldn't drive, so the Mexican friend was driving for him. And the patrolman pulled him over. And he said, you're going to jail. And this, the guy who owned the car from Tacoma, he was in the back seat. And he said, are you going to take him? Take me too. He says, come along. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how he got there. Now, the Mexican had friends. They didn't know this other guy. He said, you knew. Uh, but he, they had friends, and they bailed the, the, the Mexican, the driver, out. But the other guy, they just let him sit there and rot. <clears throat> but he was rotting, <laughs> sharing with me. And he had studied Mormonism, Catholicism, um, when I met him, he was studying spiritualism. And, but he, he got, we got into the book of Revelation, especially chapter 11. And the reason I asked the two, two witnesses, I asked him, I said, who are these witnesses? He said, well, I don't know who they are, but there's some people who come down, will come later. 
And so I got thinking myself, well, there's, there's problems uh, in Eastern Africa and Arabia. There's fighting and stuff going on, you know, and so there's going to be two, two prophets somewhere over in the Middle East. They're going to, be, they're going to come out and start preaching. They're going to be killed. And then after three, three days, they're going to rise up and we're going to see them ascend to heaven. And that's going to be my clue. When I see that happen, I'm going to jump in under the wire <laughs> and become a Christian. <laughs> Amazing, you know. And so, uh, but the Lord wouldn't, he wouldn't get me off the hook. Uh, I, I was, I, when I go to my cell at night, this is night after night, and I think one, one time I must have wrestled for day, three days and three nights. It was as clear as a bell to me, uh, the decision I had to make. One was either um, Jesus Christ was my Savior and the Bible was my rule of authority, or Mary was my Savior and the Church of Rome was my rule of authority because I'd been raised in that environment. I tell you, I wrestled because I, I was damned if I made the wrong, <laughs> the wrong choice. But that's what I felt anyhow. And I said, well, Lord, it appears to me that I should accept Christ as my Savior and the Bible is my rule of authority. I'm going to accept it by faith. And immediately I had peace in my heart that I had never had for, well, since I was a kid. And uh, so that, that's, that was my stuff. But chapter 11 of Revelation <laughs> was the one that I thought, you know, this is, this is going to be a way I can live like I want. <laughs> and then when the, before the Lord comes, these prophets are going to come, be martyred, and then I'll, I'll, I'll become a Christian. And then I started asking questions about uh, what church followed the scripture closest, both the Old and the New Testament. And <clears throat> all I could find was the Seventh-day Adventists. And the only thing I knew about Adventists, uh, when we were, I think I was a junior or senior in high school, uh, there was a girl that she used to party with us. She drank and ran around, you know, and, and all of a sudden she stopped. And we heard that she became a kooky Seventh-day Adventist. Now, I didn't think that way. Now, the other kids really, you know, they took it out on her because she was the only one around. But it made a deep impression on me that this girl had changed. And so the Lord planted my, in my mind this girl. And when I was sitting there in that, <laughs> that cell, she came to my mind that uh, there's something here about this. The only thing I knew about Adventists, they were messed up on their day worship, and they didn't eat pork. That's, that's all I knew. <laughs> but, but I soon found, <laughs> discovered that there was more to it than that. And, uh, and I t this girl, by the way, backslid. And uh, her, uh, her sister married my brother. And I studied with them, and, and they became Adventists. But this girl did not. She, she, uh, she joined the Lutheran Church. But I talked to her one time when I went home. I said, you know, uh, when you became an Adventist, when we were in high school, I said, God made a deep impression on me that this was right. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on, but I, but I knew that what you were doing was correct. And I've never forgotten the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I didn't know anything about it, and I had no use for it. I just, you know, until I was sitting there in the cooler. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, you know, the Lord used you uh, to plant some seeds in my mind that matured maybe, I don't know how many years, many years later. And uh, so, but she didn't, uh, she didn't, she didn't say yay, nay, or anything, she was just, she was just, uh, just silent, yes. Jerry, and then you follow through, and now you, did you come to a time when you made the decision for Saturday or Sunday? Or did you just find it in the Bible? No, well, I started watching, I, I was very cautious, because I believed I had been terribly deceived, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, because I wanted to be a priest when I was a kid, 
My mother's taught that. You know, kids sitting on the front porch bragging about what you can do. And you're be, I'm going to be a priest. My mother was listening. She came, I never want to hear you say that again. <laughs> and I didn't. I stopped thinking about it. And, of course, I went, went uh, the other way. But uh, the, uh, the Sabbath issue, I don't remember where it came along, but I do remember uh, watching uh, television shows in Denver and uh, re religious ones. There's some I didn't had, I had no use for whatsoever. But there was one in particular that I really enjoyed. My heart was, was filled with it. And, but I was very cautious. I, I didn't want to take any, any, I didn't care who it was. I wasn't going to buy what they were saying. But I remember at the end of one of these programs, uh, there was a sponsor. This is sponsored by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. <laughs> and it was, uh, um, it is written, uh, what was his name? Uh, Bandeman, yeah, Bandeman, he, he was, one was, was preaching. I thought, well, he might be okay. And I started watching that, and, and, uh, and then it was, uh, and I may have learned in the Sabbath there, I don't know for sure where, where, where it even came out, because it was a gradual process with me. And then uh, I moved into Wyoming, and, and I knew that I should go to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but I was still putting it off. I drove around the city until I found the church. <laughs> it was a year later, I ended up, because I had backslidden then, Went back to alcohol, and I was ready, ready to go back into the Huskal. And uh, but I went to the went to the uh, church this one Sabbath morning, and I sat there in the back row, and uh, I was going to talk to the preacher, see if I could find some, get some help, you know. And I let, I don't know what the sermon was, but uh, I said oh, I don't. Want, the people were kind and courteous, smiling, you know. I don't want any part of this, so I said I'm not going to talk to the preacher. As soon as I, he gets through, I'm, I'm going to get out of here. Well, what you know, he was standing at the black door, uh, shaking hands. <laughs> and before I could get it, I said, you know, I'm having a problem with alcohol. And he pulled out of his, a, a track out of his pocket, out of his billfold, and he said, read this. And he said, I want you to come over to my house tonight. We're going to have, uh, we're gonna have some popcorn and apples. That's the first time I ate <laughs> Adventist <laughs> diet on Saturday night. <laughs> but, but I went over, they never lost tra track of me. They kept after me. Uh, I got promoted in a job. I used to uh, run heavy equipment, uh, off 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 uh, highway equipment, building dams, railroads, and things like this. Or, uh, you know, and and uh, that's what I was doing at the time. And when I I was promoted, I should have gotten a promotion a year before, and I was denied it. I couldn't figure out why, because I should have had that. A year later, I got it, but I had to work on Sabbath. <laughs> It was a night job, you know, and it was a lot more pay. And they said, Finneman, uh, you need to get, you need to go, we're going to, uh, they're going to make a, a foreman out of me. So all the incentives were there, you know. <laughs> and I was driving this thing, uh, first, first Sabbath, I worked right on. And then uh, uh, I saw, later in the week, I saw two women come up the driveway. And, oh, Reminded me of nuns, you know. <laughs> Although the nuns I knew were really wonderful girls, I, uh, women. There's no doubt about it. I, they, they would chew you out, but they were they were really kind and courteous. But anyhow, when I saw these two women, one was the preacher's wife. I said, "Boy, they're going to scold me because <laughs> I in church Saturday." You know? They came in. They said, "Oh, we missed you so much. We wished you would have been in church last Sabbath." <laughs> oh boy, thank you. And then later, I talked to the preacher, and he said. Uh, he said, you know, we're thinking, I'm thinking about having a baptism, and uh, he said, I, I have to, I'm moving, but I think you need to be baptized before I leave. And I did not have a full, uh, full indoctrination of, of what we believe. 
But I think he made the right decision. And so uh, I, I sat there and I thought, is this, re- is this direction God is leading me? And, and it was. And I was baptized the next Sabbath. But, uh, uh, and I've never, never gone back. But, but I remember uh, the, the preacher gave a call that Sabbath of the baptism. And I sat there, I began to weep. I never, the only time I, was, I would weep was when I was fighting mad. And, and it was crazy, dangerous and crazy at that time. But I began to weep for my sins. And then I made a, I made a, I accepted the call. There was someone with me. And I looked at them and I said, you're going to come? No. And so I went, went by myself. And I was baptized. They put, it was hot water in the morning. The deacon left, <laughs> left the spout on, and so it overflowed. Nothing but ice the afternoon when they baptized. It was so cold. <laughs> we were sta- standing in, the, in, the, in that thing, and, uh, and he saw it. And I used, uh, I, I never wore a ring, but for some reason that week I put a, put a ring back on my finger. And he said, we don't believe in that. And he said, he said if you want, he said, we can stop it. And we were st- now, I was standing in cold water. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to get out because it was miserable. And he said, uh, uh, "He said we'll call it off, and I'll study with you about this." And uh, but he said, "If you can take my word, we'll study with it afterwards. And I'll, if you take it off, we'll baptize you." And I stood there and I thought, "Well, everything I've heard so far is true." So I said, "I'll take it off." And he baptized me. I was glad to be baptized because it was <laughs> it was cold stuff. But uh, so that that's kind of the my beginnings, but it started with chapter 11 of, of the book of Revelation and uh, mm-hmm. the two witnesses. And so I'm thankful that God has, he's been gracious to me. I want to, oh, one other thing that preacher said one time, I had some Mormon friends that were trying to get me out of Adventism or I was just, you know, going to church on a fairly, fairly regular basis. Oh, I remember you know, last, uh, when it was Monday night or Sunday night when uh, they're singing some of these old MV songs that reminded me when I first started going to church, they invited me to come on uh, Friday night for singing and that type of thing. And so I did. I really enjoyed it. And some of those songs I sang the other night, what, what uh, was given then. Then, um, then I heard this from the pulpit. There's going to be a woman here next Wednesday night. She's going to have a vision. I said, ah, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to see what's, what this is about. <laughs> The preacher didn't say a word about it. I mean, that is what he said. That's what I. That's what I heard. And I got there. They were studying the voice of prophecy, on the, I think it's called a treasure chest or something that had to do with the, with the spirit of prophecy. Mm-hmm. So I had no problem accepting Ellen White as a uh, as a prophet. I don't think anything ever uh, ever turned from anything on it. But it, again, it goes back to Revelation chapter eleven. Those two witnesses, the word of God. And I was wanted to build on that. One other thing about this preacher and the Mormon friends. They invited me to dinner on Sunday, and they said, you know those admins, they wash one another's feet. And, oh, I became indignant. I said, they do not. <laughs> they said, yes, they do. And, no, I know they don't. Yes, they do. <laughs> so the preacher still studying with me, and I remember he came, came to my apartment, and before, I don't know what he was going to study, but I asked him, I, I said, you know, my friends told me that Adventists wash one another's feet, but I straightened them out. I said, no, they don't. <laughs> I saw the red just creeping up in his neck. <laughs> he said, well, let's turn to, let's turn to John 13. <laughs> and so we went through that, and I said, well, that's what the Bible, he said, that's what the Bible says about uh, if we wash one another's feet, that we're following Christ. And I said, well, the Bible says it, I'll accept it. So <laughs> I, I didn't have a problem with it from, from Scripture. Huh? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, the two witnesses were witnessing, huh? Then totally become heathen. Yeah. You're a candidate. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it started with this, uh, these two witnesses. Um, so the papacy then continued until 1798. Well, I guess we talked about when his dominion was taken away, but its power was not fully destroyed at that time. It won't be destroyed until Christ comes the second time. Uh, as the closing of the Bible in the beginning of the 1260 years brought darkness, intellectual and moral, so the opening of God's word has led to the intellectual as well as moral advancement. This was after the, the 1260 days. Haskell had this to say, the uh, story of Daniel the prophet. As the prophetic period of 1260 years was closing, a nation was seen rising from the earth. The United States arose at that time. It was a, as the papacy was going down, the United States was going up. And that was that, that little um, animal. And I believe this is the animal that was not, I mentioned yesterday, it was not a buffalo. <laughs> if you look at the horns of a buffalo, they're, they're big and they're strong. And the lamb's horns are just nubbins. And, uh, and I believe this, this is more accurate. Actually, the earlier Adventists, they used, uh, I think I mentioned it yesterday, sometimes they used a lamb or a goat with small, uh, small horns. And never, I don't remember when the buffalo came in, but uh, somewhere along the, uh, along the line. Doesn't the scripture say the lamb It says, well, lamb-like. Uh, lamb-like. Yeah. I see. Uh, the horns are lamb-like. Yeah. And... Uh, but it, it's the same word that's used uh, with Jesus. Uh, we noticed yesterday the word lamb is mentioned 27 times in the book of Revelation, yeah. all of them re referring to Christ. This is the only one that there's a change in its character, its function. It looks like a lamb, but speaks like a, a devil, like the dragon, that type of thing. And we'll get into that another time. We're not going to deal with that today. But, uh, but anyhow, after the period of 1260 years passed, the Bible was again in the hands of the people. You have the uh, British Bible Society organized in 1804, the American in 1816, and then the Sabbath of the command, Fourth Commandment was restored. And uh, now I want let's take a look at some uh, uh, texts that deal with the United States, and I think a, a positive aspect in uh, Revelation chapter 12, where um, 13 through 14, you have. Uh, this picture, when uh, he says, Rejoice, O heavens, verse 12, and you who dwell on the earth. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And that's from the first part of the chapter that talks about the dragon waiting to destroy Christ. Um, but, verse 14, the woman was given the wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth, the, the earth opened the mouth its mouth swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring or the remnant 
who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So here, uh, th in this picture of uh, the earth opening up, this is a picture of America. Not only America, I think it probably started with the Reformation. That's when the hold of the papacy was losing its power uh, over the people. But uh, England was falling back into the Roman idea of you have to worship just exactly as we want. You have the Puritans fighting them. Some of them fled to Holland. And then from Holland, they came here to America for the purpose of uh, getting away from religious persecution. And, but when they got over here, they weren't, they weren't uh, separated completely from that. And the, the Puritans began to say that you can only have a political position if you're of the same belief as we are. But they actually came here for, for protection. Uh, there's another one in Daniel. Let's take a look at Daniel because it's dealing uh, with the same, same idea of the earth helping the, the uh, woman. By the way, in Revelation, where do we see, what, where do we see the, that lamb-like beast coming from? What's the difference between the... Yeah. Okay, the earth. Where did the, the amalgamated beast come from? Out of the sea. So you got, you got a difference. And the sea would represent uh, people, a lot of people. But, yeah, yes. Uh -huh. And then the earth was relatively unpopulated. There were uh, Indians here, but, uh, you know, the Puritans that were helped by the Indians, but they didn't respond in kind. They thought maybe they preached the gospel, these people would be converted. It didn't happen. And so there was persecution on them. They started just taking lands and things. But... Um, there was a man that came from England who uh, came as a preacher, and he was a Baptist, but a, a Puritan. And um, he was preaching in, um, in that area, and he was talking about liberty of conscience, justification by faith in Christ alone, and the consequence, which is liberty of conscience. And they didn't like it. His name was Roger Williams. You're probably familiar with that. They, they would have either executed him or they would have sent him back to England. But he fled. He spent one year, or one, not one year, one winter nearly every day uh, in a tree, in a hollow tree, until he made his way to some Indians and they saved his life through the, through the winter. Then he moved to what we call, what we know today as... Uh, what? Yeah, Rhode Island. I think Providence was the became well, Providence was named by them, the Providence of God. But he brought he bought the land from the Indians. He didn't take it from them. He bought it from them, and that's the first place that we have entire separation of church and state, and free liberty of conscience. And he and uh, Williams had a terrible time because you had uh, um, different classes of people that came, either atheist or Christian. Even some of the Christians were pretty obnoxious. Um, the Quakers, for instance, they were, they were pretty bad at that time. They're not so bad now. But some of them were so bad when they were up in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, they would have their ears cut off by, by the Puritans. They were, they were just as mean as they were. But these people would come into Rhode Island and uh, want their way. And so Williams had a hard time dealing with, uh, with his variety of mixed people coming there for religious freedom but then they demanded that they, their way would be the best way, you know, so. But uh, Williams, uh, he won out. Those principles became a part of the Constitution of the United States, especially the, the Bill of Rights, um, separation of church and state. 
in Daniel 11, um, you have, uh, uh, let's see, let's start with verse, uh, yeah, verse 30, I guess, well, let's see, 31. Forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices, or the word sacrifices in italics doesn't belong there, and place there the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Those of the people who understand shall instruct many, yet for many days they shall fail and fall by the sword and the flame by captivity and plundering. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join them by intrigue. And some of those of understanding shall fall, to refine them, purge them, and make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. So in this, and the early Adventists believed that, that this was a picture of the beginning of the Reformation, the Waldenses who were persecuted, many of them died, and uh, some of the leaders in, in the Protestant Reformation. And then, as it talks about the, the time of the end, and so there was a movement from the time of the Reformation during that 1260-year period when God was protecting his people. In the end of that period, the United States was set up for, uh, uh, you know, for religious liberty. That was primarily a primary function at that time. So it should still be today. We're seeing some of our, our uh, freedoms uh, going from us, but both, and I read one Adventist where it says the earth would help them with a little help. And it was a, he said, uh, I don't know what, what text he was quoting from, but he said uh, he'll be hoping with a little hope. <laughs> and, uh, but the earth, when the earth opened up, uh, that's when the people were able to come here for, for freedom. And some of them didn't enjoy the freedom, but uh, eventually, by the 1700s, uh, late 1700s, it came, came to pass. But this was all prep, uh, preparation for the Advent movement, 1844. And we'll look at that another time when, when uh, uh, God was raising up Miller and others to prepare them for 1844 and the third angel's message, which is, again, justification by faith in Christ alone. And so that message was, to, was to go to, still to go to the, uh, to the world. Um, here, uh, this is from uh, some fairly modern-day commentators. The word fall in Daniel 33 and 34, that should be 11, literally it means stumble. It refers to severe suffering on the part of many and death for others. And then Revelation 13, 9 through 11, is, this is after the sea beast was wounded with a deadly wound at the end of the 1260-year prophecy. And uh, we looked at this before, that out of this, this land, this lamb-like beast came. And then the Sabbath was first introduced to the attention of the Advent people at Washington, New Hampshire. By the way, I used to pastor that church. <laughs> But that was the first Adventist church uh, in America. And a Seventh-day Baptist by the name of um, Rachel Preston was there. She asked, the, uh, the, the preacher was saying, we, we must keep the commandments of God. And it was a powerful sermon. After the sermon, she went up to him. She said, uh, you're not keeping all the commandments. He said, yes, I am. No, you're not. Which one? The fourth commandment, the Sabbath command. And he went and studied it after several months, and he became an advocate of the Seventh-day Sabbath, and that almost the entire church became Sabbath keepers. I think it was 40 of them that, that became 
uh, Sabbath keepers at that time. And then, uh, uh, yeah, nearly the whole church accepted it. Um, man by the name of Preble wrote an essay on the Sabbath in 1845. Joseph Bates and others accepted the Sabbath. A few months later, um, James White embraced it. And then Revelation 18.2, modern Babylon becomes a prison for every foul spirit, a dwelling place of demons, a cage for every unclean and hated uh, bird. And I guess, uh, I, you know, I need to, how, how's our time? I need to look at something here. Pardon me? What? Oh man, it is. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll continue with this. The message, verse, verse, um, verse 1 of, of chapter 18 is the loud cry of the third angel's message that will go to the whole world. The, whole, the glory of God will circle the earth. And it's during that time, and we'll look at Babylon. There, was a, uh, there's, there are two calls out of Babylon. Chapter um, 14, verse 6. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Then this is the second time that she has fallen. And uh, there was two calls out of Babylon of old with Israel. And we'll look at that maybe next time to see the, the parallel between the two. But in the last days, that message that the angel gives is a, a message of righteousness by faith in Christ. Call, it was called the loud cry of the third angel. It was a call to, for God's people to come out of, out of Babylon. And... Uh, I had a friend of mine, a pastor, who was preaching in the evangelistic series, and he came to this, and there was a, a nun was in the audience, and he was trying to get her over the line. And he said, uh, come out over my people, come out over my people. She never budged until, I think it was the third or fourth night after that, uh, she was reading her Catholic Bible, Douay Rheims, and in that says, go out of her, my people. And that's what got her. She met. She, she left uh, the Catholic Church and became an Adventist because of because of her her Bible, not not what the preacher not what the preacher was saying. But we better stop. Here comes the man. <laughs> Shall we pray? Father, again, we thank you for the way you, you've led us. Thank you for the way you led the Adventist Church. We thank you for the message that you've given to us to proclaim to the world. We pray that we become clearer in our own hearts and minds and we'll be able to speak clearly to others that Christ might be uplifted and as you've said he will draw all people to himself we thank you in his name Amen This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more if you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.